as a drag performer, I'll I'll be the person to say like not all drag, but I'm like I think there is a lot of it. Um, I think look at Hollow Eve on this season of Dragula. Have you seen the Boulet Brothers Dragula? No, I haven't. It's awesome. It's it's kind of like Drag Race, but it's um, darker and weirder and messier. Uh, and Hollow Eve is um, a contestant on on this year's and. Uh, they, during one makeup session, called out a person for using the term fishy mm-hmm. um, to refer to their drag. And it yeah. was this really great conversation where um, Hollow stated why it was not okay and why yes. that term should not be used, really yeah. thinking about uh, this, like, I don't know, derogatory term for um, female genitalia. Not female, cis female genitalia. No. I'll say of just like a type of genitalia. Yes, a type of genitalia. Thank you. Um, But like that, it was so well received as well by by the other person. Was like, huh? I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. And just you know this idea that like by uh, getting new information where you feel something's being taken away from you. Mm -hmm. To me, I've always been the type of person that like if you're giving me feedback of something that's hurting you or something I'm saying that makes you uncomfortable, like I wouldn't want to continue that. Right. And it might be something if it's something that's very close to my heart, I have to like really think about it. Um, To me, I'm like, I use the word fag all the time. It's a word that I feel like I own. Mm -hmm. Um, um, Or even like the word queer. A lot of older generations do not like that word. Right, right. So I'll tend to skirt away from it with other people. But it's also something that's a piece of my identity and who I am and that I won't strike from my vocabulary in a way that other words I've tried to weed out a little bit more. Yeah. It's so interesting. And I also think about with younger folks coming coming up and how language does change and evolve over time. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious as to how that will shift yeah as we as we go on and what words that we're using now will someone maybe listen to this episode years from now and be I like oh my gosh i can't believe they said that or <laughs> you know who knows yeah we did um we did a version of the show in new york in january and there was a young person there probably like 18 or 19 who is non-binary and like after the show they raised their hand and they're like do we even need this show like this <gasps> conflict of like do we need it and i was mm-hmm. just like i am i am so happy yeah that you have yet to experience like people that that are like um, not okay with your non-binary like that like have no like it is so wonderful that mm-hmm. we have younger generations that are growing up in a time where there's so much um, so many resources and services and so much available to support you but it's like uh, just a little bit ago and also right now too like the types of things that are happening to a lot of trans folks non-binary yes. folks to queer folks that like um, I feel very fortunate to be in the bubble of San Francisco and mm-hmm. I know how hard it can be for people that are living in areas that are not super accepting of LGBTQ identities. Yeah. Yes, definitely. I was thinking about, I was thinking about, I've got a lot of different like bubbles popping uh-huh. up over my head about where to go <laughs> in the conversation. And one thing would be just in terms of processing what mm-hmm. we have been, you know, I, I feel like even recently I've been processing a few things that happened to me when I was like coming out as trans when, yeah, like over 10 years ago that I'm still like memories of things that I experienced versus what things have happened to folks now, not to compare and contrast because everyone's experience is different, et cetera, et cetera. However, there is that need to kind of, I wasn't in a place to necessarily speak about what happened to me. Mm -hmm. And then later on when things feel a little bit safer, perhaps, or there's more stability then one can present it. So I'm also just curious as to with maybe I'm just, speaking more a stream of consciousness and less of a question, this, this idea of when we can actually start speaking about our own experiences, even if it's after the fact and maybe things have changed in a way right. since then. So in a way it's like creating art is telling a story about 
maybe processing what has happened in the past. So in a way, it might seem at, like anachronistic. Mm-hmm. However, it is it does take time to really shape and share what we've been through. Yeah, it absolutely <sighs> does. Um, and I think you know, as, as part of this show, I think one of the most critical supports for me through this show has been uh, mental health services that mm. I have received at Queer Life Space, which mm-hmm. is an amazing uh, queer mental health community practice which sliding, with sliding scale mm-hmm. um, services. And I think when I started this show, I was like, I don't know, I just feel like uncomfortable with my gender identity, so I'm mm-hmm. going to just start exploring it and write a show about it. And as I got deeper into it, the more that I realized that like there was just so much there that I had suppressed or forgotten about or like dissociated with. And it was really this process of creating this show while I was like, uh, getting services through queer life space that were like really hand in hand to actually help me get to the point of like self acceptance and a lot of like relaxation around my gender fluidity and really be okay with that. Yeah. Um, but it's to me. So I think, synthesizing my life into a show mm-hmm. at the same time of plugging all of these different types of resources and ideas into it. One major influence of the show is Bell Hooks, mm-hmm. uh, The Will to Change, Men, Masculinity, and Love, mm-hmm. which is a book that my therapist at Queer Life Space oh. is like, you're going to need to read this book, and then we're going to need to talk through it while you read it. And it really forced me to change my idea about the construct of masculinity and more so my own relationship with it as well. Yeah. <sighs> something else I um I also wanted to talk about was mm-hmm. just um you mentioned like in San Francisco we live in a bubble yeah. which is true and also there still are San Francisco does have like a ways to go in terms oh, of Oh yeah, absolutely. And I was hoping you'd be able to talk about a bit about like with the rideshare apps uh-huh. and how discrimination oh, that yeah, folks sure. had and you're really instrumental in helping the dialogue around uh, homophobia and transphobia in terms yeah. of folks not being able to access ride shares right. in the Bay Area. Yeah, so in July 2017, I was outside the stud in full mm-hmm. drag at 3 o'clock in the morning um, and called for a lift that refused to pick me up. Mm-hmm. Um, and since that time, I've been working with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, National Center for Lesbian Rights, um, to really meet with Lyft and try to come to an agreement about how we can help create more visibility for LGBTQ people, mm-hmm. specifically trans, non-binary, and gender non-conforming people. Um, and I think the biggest um, agreement that we reached was mm-hmm. making sure that we're that we're going to have a um, report discrimination button within the app. Mm-hmm. That when that incident happened to me, I had to click through to four different screens and then just write an email about what had happened. And to me, that that if to not have the ability to report discrimination for a company mm-hmm. that I know values. Um, diverse perspectives and wants to really make sure they're providing a welcome environment for everyone. Mm-hmm. It seemed like a huge oversight. And yes. so I'm just, I'm really excited that we're going to be working with them mm-hmm. um, to create that for everyone. Yeah. Um, I just saw an article today too, that had mentioned that um, African-American and black and LGBTQ folks often get uh, denied rides or skipped over by all ride share companies. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. just, I think, to, to be able to report that, I think it's also sometimes so hard that, like, how can you, you know, if somebody just comes up and cancels on you, right. you don't specifically know the reason. Right, but right. But I remember I was um, 
I was I went with a friend to Steamworks and when uh-huh. we and we were getting a ride coming back and he put the location as Steamworks yes. and the car was coming and then it canceled and then another car was coming and it canceled. Wow. And so I think a lot of times that search function when you know the place that you're at might yes. have some effect on someone that like a lot of people do choose not to pick us up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's similar to what was happening with, you know, taxis too. Yeah, like absolutely. it's not it's not a new problem. No. no. Oh. Yeah, well. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I just saw it as an opportunity that mm-hmm. like, I, okay, this not great thing happened to yeah. me. How can I just make the best of it to make mm-hmm. sure that this, um, try to reduce the amount of times this could happen to other people. Right. Right. I appreciate that. And that's an important reminder for all the listeners out there that <laughs> we, you know, we can make change and yeah take action yeah and i think it's it's you just have to take whatever changes and right in front of you yeah. it's like you know it, not everything is going to be big and sweeping and even the agreement that we reached with lyft it it wasn't the big sweeping change we want but it right. was progress mm-hmm. and i think that that's so critical to like it's not always going to be revolution sometimes it has to be in- incremental change right and that doesn't mean that it's any less important absolutely and it will make it easier for more folks down the line eventually we'll get that revolution oh yeah oh yes <laughs> many of us are just on board yes <laughs> on yes. board waiting for that <laughs> yeah so um so hashtag femme masculine yeah opened uh, last night last night we had a yes. great show yes and it's happening again tonight uh-huh. and the fifth as well as next the October 10th, 11th, and 12th. Yeah, yes. Yeah, we're running for two weeks down at mm-hmm. Brava Theater Center. That's down at 24th and York. Mm-hmm. And we are in their brand new storefront cabaret space. Ooh. Just super cute. Yet. It's right out on the street. Oh, it's, excellent. Um, space that they purchased about a decade ago. Okay. Um, and then their executive director, Stacey Powers, has really been... Um, getting the organization of the last 10 years on really solid financial footing and able to build out that new space that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's really great to be in that space. Um, Margo Gomez had the first show in there. Oh, yeah. So I just, I feel so honored to be in the same space with folks like her, uh, Tina D'Elia. Yeah. Um, just Cooper, other other artists that are in residence at Brava. Oh yeah, they yeah. always such great shows there, and I'm so grateful that the the space exists. Me too. Yeah, but um, the show starts at eight o'clock mm-hmm. uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Well, I guess Friday, Saturday this week, and then Thursday, mm-hmm. Friday, Saturday next week. If you want to come, I think the special family showing where I'm pretty sure like my mom and sister are flying in, <gasps> oh. and then I think my dad and stepmom might also be coming to the same show. So hopefully that will be a good one. I don't know, <laughs> but um, that's happening next Friday. Okay. And um, yeah, it's a super fun show. It's just about 75 minutes. Um, I spend a lot of time on my phone. You're allowed to take pictures during the phone and be on it. I'm like, I'm like, if I have my phone on stage, I can't tell you not to have your phone out. <laughs> but no, you should watch me. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So come out for that. Uh, it's going to run for a couple of weeks. And then after that, we're just going to try to shop it around, maybe to see if we can get it touring around the country. Too. Oh, that'd be excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And also wanted to note that the uh, creative director is B. Thomas. Yes, Beatrice Thomas, a.k.a. Black Benatar, yes, a.k.a. Yes. my work wife. Or no, my work husband. I'm her work wife. I forget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, and, and Beatrice was on the show, I believe, last year or the year before. Mm-hmm. So. Yes really grateful that yeah. you all are collaborating. Absolutely. Beatrice is um, one of my favorite people to collaborate with. Mm-hmm. We've been working together on so many shows. We, um, 
used to do uh, this cabaret that was about the intersection of commercialism and the occult called Ooh. Dr. Zabrowski's Hour of Power. Oh, wow. Um, and then we did a one called Public Prophecy as well. Um, but Beatrice has been such a force for this show and kind of giving the whole production like a shape and a feel. Um, we've also been working with Ryan Marchand, who's a really amazing performer and uh, educator and community um, organizer. Um, he has been giving more like theatrical direction. Our technical director, Erica Sokolauer Shane, has been crushing it. We've got some great lights by Kathy Anderson. Um, my partner, Derek Schmidt, did all of our music. Um, yeah, and a zillion other collaborators too. I don't want to forget anybody, but I'm sorry. Um, and uh, yeah. Excellent. Well, very much look forward to seeing it. Absolutely. I can't wait to come see. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to promote before we wrap up? I'm tired. That's about it. It's just this thing. I'm taking a nap. Got it. I (laughs) totally hear you. Well, Kevin, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Roman. Yeah. And hope to see you again here. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, we can take a bit of a music break and this might take a, a moment to get all set up. And then afterwards, we'll be back with some more news stay tuned
And welcome back to the Weekly Review. Big thanks to Kevin Seaman for being on the show. Hashtag Femme Masculine is playing at Brava Cabaret Theater tonight, which is October 4th, tomorrow, October 5th, as well as next Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the 10th through the 12th. I've got some more news for you. Also like to provide ways that folks can take action. And I, a constant reminder is that everyone has a voice. Everyone can make a difference. Etc. So regardless of one's situation, if you would like to make a change, there are so many folks who are organizing right now, and there's plenty of ways to get plugged in. And one way I will share with you at the moment. So October 3rd to 8th, which is happening right now, hashtag we remember days of awe and action for immigrant families. And this is an email from the group Bend the Ark. And this is the first action of 5780 is with immigrant families. So Ben the Ark says, the days of awe are here. Between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, Ben the Ark leaders have events planned across the country to demand their members of Congress stop our government's cruelty against immigrant families. Today alone, Jews in Long Island, New York, Cleveland, Ohio, Los Angeles, and the Bay Area, California are organizing to say, we remember and we demand action. Our week of action will be so much more powerful if every member of Congress hears from the Jewish community loud and clear, add to the chorus right now. And they provide a link where you can email your member of Congress and they have a quick form. It's the Jewish New Year. Hold ICE and CBP accountable for cruelty against immigrants. And I've shared this link on Twitter at R-O-M-A-N-R-I-M-E-R as well as our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash weekly rev. They say, we remember the names of the children who have died in U.S. custody. We remember the families kept in cages without soap, blankets, or water. We remember the screams of children whose parents were rounded up in raids. This is a critical moment to contact your member of Congress because the bigger, excuse me, the biggest fight on immigration this year will be over, will be over funding, and the Trump administration thinks the public isn't paying attention. The administration is continuing to ask Congress for billions of dollars to escalate its cruelty against immigrant families and communities, but if thousands of us take action alongside our, part, our partners, we can get Congress to stop them. That's why today through Sunday, Jewish leaders across the country are demanding their members of Congress cut funding to ICE and CBP and hold these agencies accountable to directly combat Trump. Ew, I said his name. And remove the resources that enable the violent enforcement of his immigration policies. Again, you can send an email to your member of Congress right now to demand accountability for cruelty against immigrant families this year. And they provide the link. As we reflect during these high holy days, we and as we approach the anniversary of the shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue, we know that the Trump administration's attacks on immigrants are rooted in the same white nationalism that has targeted the Jewish community, the Muslim community, indigenous folks, people of color, and people with disabilities. We know that the only way to win is to show up together in solidarity Will you join us. So that is one way that folks can help out, sign this petition, share it with other folks as well, contact folks who are in Congress and get them to act. Next up, more events that folks can participate in. Here on the show, we are prison abolitionists. We believe that we can build a world without prisons and the idea of rehabilitating people and helping people instead of punishing people 
especially when there are when poverty is criminalized here in this country and how many folks there's millions of people incarcerated it's just it's disgusting and it's fucking gross and we did hear the the story earlier on in the program from democracy now and that was an interview from 2013 and things i'd imagine have only gotten worse as far as militarization has ramped up so there are some da's who have been elected who do believe in reform and moving towards hopefully prison abolition and in the meantime recognizing how many folks are arrested for victimless crimes so one thing that folks can do to support folks who are incarcerated is to find pen pals to write to people, can send books to people, and one organization that helps connect folks is Black and Pink, and they deal exclusively with LGBTQ folks who are incarcerated. So there is the Flying Over Walls Prisoner Solidarity Project, and Black and Pink, it's a, they're located in many cities, so there may be a city where, maybe located in a city where you live. I know Chicago is one, here in the Bay Area, folks meet, and many other cities as well. So regardless of where you are, hopefully you can tap in with a group that is local. And this is what they share. Autumn is here, and we've got so many exciting opportunities for you to stay warm in the company of community this season. We're excited to tell you that they are currently planning I'm going to move this over so I can read the full email. The fourth round of queer and trans prison abolition study group for this coming January through June 2020. This will be our second inside-outside study group, meaning it will include both free world and... uh, Excuse me, I need to get the screen to a size that I can read. There we go. Okay, this will be our second inside-outside study group, meaning it will include both free world and incarcerated members. We are in the process of recruiting 10 to 12 incarcerated folks who are interested in discussing the readings through pen pal letters, and each of them will be matched with an outside member of the study group. If you're interested in joining us, please read and then fill out the form. And they've emailed this to me, and I'm thinking about a way I can share this with you listeners out there. It's a Google Doc. And this is for the SF Bay Area Black and Pink 2020 Inside Outside Study Group. So I think one way that folks could perhaps find this is if you sign up to get on the mailing list. So let me go to that first. So if you're not on the mailing list, you can subscribe and... And or, I'm just going to give the email address here, uh, flyingoverwalls at lists.riseup.net. So if you want to email them and tell them that you're interested, that's one way to do it and find the link. There's also, they have a lot of letter writing news and events that are coming up. So community news and events, and this again, it's for the Bay Area. Monday, October 14th, uh, join survived and punished and tgijp for freedom california a panel and letter writing event and this is join us in a conversation with a panel of criminalized survivors and learn how to support the fight against gender violence and criminalization and i'm going to take a look at this link to share the location and this is happening monday october 14th at the east side arts alliance 
which is at 2277 International Boulevard in Oakland. Next up, Wednesday, October 16th, save the date, Berkeley City College will be hosting a summit on the mental health impacts of mass incarceration, and our very own Casper, also of ABO Comics, will be speaking on a panel. Next, Friday, October 18th, the No New SF Jail Coalition is asking community members to come show their support at an important hearing on the closure of the jail at 850 Bryant. We are calling for a rapid closure of 850 Bryant without the opening or, or renovation of any jail, transferring prisoners out of county, or an expansion of electronic monitoring. The hearing is scheduled for 10.30 a.m. at SF City Hall. More details to come. On Saturday, October 19th, we along, and again, this is black and pink, along with ABO Comics, will be at the R-Town SF Nonprofit Expo, the largest LGBTQ resource fair ever in San Francisco. Getting my announcer voice here. And again, it's October 19th, and that's at the Eureka Valley Recreation Center, which is at 100 Collingwood Street in San Francisco. Next up, Wednesday, October 23rd, join Initiate Justice for Bay Area Mail Night. This will be responding to mail from our members inside who have questions regarding current or past legislation, learning more about our policy work, and more. The event is open to anyone and everyone. Excuse me. The event is open to everyone, and dinner will be served. Please bring a laptop if you can. And let's see where this one's happening. And they have Facebook events for all of these. And that's happening at the Urban Strategies Council, which is at 1720 Broadway on the second floor in Oakland. Next up, Wednesday, October 30th. Join a growing coalition of groups outside the California Corrections Department in a rally to expose hashtag MeTooBehindBars. Hashtag MeTooBehindBars is a campaign to expose how the prison system uses sexual and gender-based violence, including homophobia and transphobia, to target people who they incarcerate and whose daily lives they have almost total control over. For more details about the campaign and rally, they provide a link. And again, there's a Facebook invite. And that if you type in MeTooBehindBars rally, and that's hosted by the California Coalition for Women Prisoners and Young Women's Freedom Center. And that's happening Wednesday, October 30th, from noon to 2 p.m. at the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. I am going to increase the font so I can read this. 1515 S Street in Sacramento. Again, California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation at 1515 S Street in Sacramento, Wednesday, October 30th from noon to 2 p.m. Okay, lots of events that folks can check out. So based on your schedule, your availability, your accessibility needs, what you have energy for, lots of different ways to show up. Uh, please do get plugged in if you are able. And also, there's a new location, uh, TGIJP. They have a mail night every Tuesday from 4 to 8 p.m. at 1349 Mission Street. And they also have more info, and I believe that's the old center for... Uh, sex and culture that was the yes that was 1349 mission here in San Francisco uh, was yes the old center for center for sex and culture so yes please do check out mail night and again that's every Tuesday from 4 to 8 p.m. okay 
That is a lot of information. Also, oh wait, yes, there's more. Monthly letter writing in San Francisco. This happened last night at Wicked Grounds. And in Oakland on Monday, tw- Monday, October 21st from 6 to 8 p.m., folks will be meeting at Farley's Cafe at 33 Grand Avenue in Oakland near 19th Street, BART. And that is where you can write letters to folks as well as send postcards for people's birthdays and et cetera and meet with community. Great. So that is some more information. I... Oh, have a story that's, I mean, everything's difficult. Not everything. Many things are difficult. There's an article from Common Dreams that was published in Truthout on October 2nd, and it's also crucial to talk about here on the show, not necessarily, not a big fan, not a fan at all of Republicans, not a fan of most Democrats, and those in positions of power cause a lot of harm, and that's kind of where we are. And as long as folks only care about protecting the wealthy, and corporate interests, then we're all going to, it's going to be bad news. That's a, a summary of where we're at. So when folks say that the only thing that people can do is vote, that's really short-sighted and be wrong. And I get that it's people's opinion. However, through history, it's been riots and strikes and protests that have changed the course of history. And voting can work in a way of making it easier to organize, depending on who's in a position of power. And at the same time, voting and can be rigged and if the folks who are running aren't necessarily folks who are looking out for people that's that's not a good sign so there were i remember shortly after 2016 folks were saying oh we'll just wait till 2020 and someone had mentioned in terms of all the deportations and the family separations which of course have been happening in this country since the very beginning the idea of someone you know saying hey if your child was kidnapped would you wait until 2020 to do something about it So it's really, the idea is just to push people to act, to take action right now. And if this this was your family, would you just wait until the next election cycle? And it's not even just about waiting, but this idea that you're waiting for something to happen, for someone else to do something about it. And who's to say that those other folks who may or may not even get into office will necessarily even make things better. And want to encourage folks to take, we can take action into our own hands and people throughout history have done exactly that and have gotten things done. So this is something else that have, you know, the folks that refuse fascism have been saying from the very beginning, many folks have been saying from the very beginning with fascism, it's, it's not like you just vote people out. It's not a system that has any, there's no morals to it. There's no rules to it. People appoint themselves. And the, the scariest part is that there are a lot of, they have a lot of followers who are into committing violence. They already have committed violence. And that backed with, you got the state violence and then you have vigilante violence against many folks. And, oh, there's, that's my opening to this article. So again, this is from Jake Johnson. It was published October 2nd uh, in Common Dreams as well as Truthout. Will Trump refuse to leave? We should be worried about this tweet. So Fuckface, I try not to talk about him too much because I recognize he's just, it's a, the systems that are in place have gotten him to where he is. His racist asshole father was a landlord who, if he had been stopped, then, you know, it's this whole, just the system that's in place. So recognizing it's more than just this one person, and even once he's out of office, that doesn't necessarily mean that the system's going to fall apart, even though it's, it's just, uh, it's beyond one person. So 
I think that's what I'm trying to say is that he's representative of the whole system. And even if, even and when, if he's out, other things need to be changed. That makes sense? I hope so. I'm talking a lot of things out today. It's a bit explanatory. So moving along, he was talking about a coup and all this nonsense. Days after amplifying a right-wing pastor's warning of a quote-unquote civil war-like fracture if he is removed from office, President Fuckface—my words, not the words of the article—late Tuesday said the impeachment inquiry launched by House Democrats is a coup, heightening fears that 45 could refuse to allow a peaceful transition of power. And also, I'm going to make a note, have there ever been peaceful transitions of power in one way or another? Things aren't even peaceful when there's not even a transition of power. Anyway. I'm going to finish the sentence. Uh, uh, he would ref- could refuse a, to allow a peaceful transition of power if he is ousted by Congress or defeated in 2020. Um, then they quote him, and he's just talking about a lot of fucking nonsense. Observers reacted with alarm to 45's tweet and said that it should not be treated as a typical online outburst from the president. This is extre- excuse me, this is extremely dangerous, Matthew Gertz, senior fellow at Media Matters, said, pointing out that Fox News hosts and contributors have been aggressively pushing the coup narrative in recent days. 45's coup language isn't an errant presidential tweet, Gertz added. It's an official Trump, ugh, ugh, my mouth feels so gross when I say his fucking name, administration talking points that multiple top aides have rolled out on state TV today. Historian Angus Johnston asked in response to 45's tweet, what happens when he tweets something like this the day after he loses re-election? The orderly transfer of power in the U.S. has always depended on the active cooperation of the outgoing president. What happens if that cooperation is not forthcoming? The answer, the day-to-day answer, for November and December 2020 and January 2021 isn't obvious. Johnson said, tweets like tonight's crank up the costs of breaking up, of breaking with Trump. But they also underscore the fact that there's no guarantee that waiting, that waiting him out will be an effective alternate strategy. Concerns that 45 could resist leaving office if ousted by the constitutional process of impeachment or defeated in the 2020 election are not new. 45 has repeatedly suggested on Twitter and during campaign rallies that his term should be extended to compensate for the time, quote unquote, stolen by the Mueller investigation. This is not a drill. And there is no reason to believe 45 will go quietly if he is defeated, wrote The Intercept's Mehdi Hassan in a column in March. There is every reason, however, to believe he and his allies will incite hysteria and even violence. Those who assume otherwise haven't been paying attention. In the days since House Democrats formally began their impeachment inquiry last month, 45 has rapidly escalated his hysterical attacks on political opponents and the whistleblower who raised alarm about the fuckers, I can't even say the word, uh, call with Ukraine's leader. Last week, as Common Dreams reported, 45 suggested the person who provided information about 45's call with the Ukrainian president is a spy and traitor who should be executed. On Sunday, 45 warned of big consequences for the whistleblower as the anonymous individual's lawyers said the president's attacks have put the person's safety at risk. On Monday, 45 asked whether Representative Adam Schiff, Democrat from California, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, should be arrested for treason a crime punishable by death following the president's coup tweet Tuesday night. I can't believe I'm saying that. So gross. Okay. Trita Parsi, executive vice president of the Quincy Institute said the logical conclusion of this nonsensical statement is that the military should step in, save 45 and arrest 45's political opponents. Let that sink in. Parsi added. 
Yikes. So again, uh, you can find this at truthout.org. Jake Johnson is a staff writer for Common Dreams. You can follow him on Twitter at Johnson Jake P. All right. That was a lot of talking. We're going to be finishing up the show in a little bit. Uh, I'm going to find some fun music to play. Maybe it's not fun, but I'll play some music. We'll be back in a bit.
All right, going to go over a couple more things before we wrap up the show today. The story comes from Seattle, and of course there are patterns in many places here uh, in the in the U.S. And this is about <sighs> fair enforcement and how uh, it's actually cheaper to not charge people to ride the train than it is to hire folks to be fair enforcers. There's an article in the Seattle Times that came out on October 4th. That's today, 2019. Seattle Times, black passengers getting cited, punished disproportionately by sound transit fare enforcement. This was written by Heidi Groover. When fare enforcement officers board a sound transit train, they begin at either end and work their way toward the middle. One by one, passengers tap their ORCA cards on handheld devices or show their tickets to prove they've paid. But practice is designed, or excuse me, the practice is designed to be unbiased, the agency says, a safeguard against potential profiling by officers. But sound transit data shows this system is not preventing disproportionate punishment. While 9% of people who ride light rail and sounder commuter trains are black or African American, 22% of riders are caught up in the fare enforcement system over the last four years were black according to rider surveys and enforcement data collected by Sound Transit. For black riders, the disproportionately the dis- the disproportionate the disproportionality grows as the punishment gets more severe, from warnings to $124 tickets to misdemeanor theft charges. About half of riders who in the last 4 years faced a misdemeanor for failing to pay fare were black. They provide a chart of the demographics. <sighs> Disparities, both by race and by income, have led politicians and transit agencies across the country to rethink fair enforcement, sometimes pitting social and racial justice advocates against publicly funded agencies anxious to appear fiscally responsible. And they also provide a survey where if you're in Seattle, you can share your experience with Seattle, the Seattle region's fair enforcement system. At, C- at Sound Transit, officials are aware of the disparities, but don't yet have an explanation or solution. Shocking. Some in the agency also say fair enforcement makes riders feel safer and therefore more likely to use the system. Uh, and they um, speak to a sound transit chief of staff, Rhonda Carter, who says it's certainly troubling. It's troubling to see pretty starkly what looks like a disparity, but the numbers don't answer why people don't, didn't pay. Carter said, was it a wayfinding issue? Was it, I literally don't have the money. Was it, I just forgot to tap for the third time this year. Sound transit plans to survey riders later this year. Critics say the existing data proves the system is failing. Some question whether a public transit system should be punishing people who can't afford to ride. When light rail was built through Seattle's Rainier Valley, we were told it's going to be an opportunity for people in our neighborhood to go downtown for jobs, an opportunity for enhancing our well-being, said Gregory Davis, managing strategist at the Rainier Beach Action Coalition, one of the dozens of organizations urging enforcement changes. What if what comes out of it is a fair enforcement policy that indebts our young people? That's the opposite of what we were told the benefit would be, Davis said. A small share of sound transit riders encounter fair enforcement each year, and fewer still are warned, cited, or charged. 
but disparities worsen with each step with each step with black writers receiving 19% of warnings 43% of tickets and 57% of theft cases over 4 years writers who don't pay can get one warning and if found guilty again within a year a $124 ticket a second ticket then a misdemeanor charge in may the agency oops i uh clicked on uh a chart here okay uh 43% of tickets and 57% of theft cases over 4 years riders who don't pay can get one warning and if found again within a year a $124 ticket a second ticket and then a misdemeanor charge in may the agency quietly paused referring cases for misdemeanors it's unclear if the agency will permanently stop those referrals i'm going to take a moment and there's like one there's some more paragraphs left but i'm going to just stop and just say hey jeff bezos who lives uh close outside of seattle who's a billionaire who could give all the money to make seattle transit free not criminalize people who are unable to pay he would still have more than enough money so i just think about how backwards it is i think about this in many situations where folks who are just struggling to get their basic needs met that we have the resources as a country to to pay for it's not unimaginable it's possible so many things are possible yet greed prevents people from moving forward with that oh goodness oh i think i just talked myself into a, a sadness corner oh goodness there has to be something that is hopeful in san francisco this isn't necessarily um, hopeful, but I want to just share a few more things. Oh, I do like to try to end on a positive news story to get myself and all the listeners up, upbeat, happy about something good. Uh, but there are some just things I also wanted to mention that are not so happy. So there are folks on the Clinton Park area in San Francisco who fundraised over $4,000 to get boulders placed on the sidewalk because they didn't want unhoused people to exist. And then there's a battle between folks rolling those boulders off the sidewalk. It's also not only is it just incredibly classist and fucked up, but it's also a um, accessibility issue where folks can't navigate on the sidewalk. And so people were, though there was like people were moving it off the sidewalk and then it's being pushed back on the sidewalk and then DPW got involved. And these are also boulders that have been around for years, I think. So also DPW is involved with it and it was just nonsense. And the, the GoFundMe where these people who have, thousands they raise thousands of dollars and instead of saying hey let's raise thousands of dollars and maybe like how is a family pay people's rent for a month or two or feed people or provide access uh, to services for people they instead decide to make life harder for people and that's what what's it it's just so fucking frustrating where it's you recognize there's something that makes people uncomfortable and instead of trying to find ways to rehabilitate to offer services to help people uh they cause people cause more harm and that's the thing where even if you're like, it's even better to like not do anything than it is in some of these situations and people who are actually causing harm, like calling the cops on unhoused people or causing sweeps, taking people's possessions, people who don't have much to begin with. It's so frustrating. Ah. Speaking of frustrating, uh, Palantir has still not, uh, uh, they're still doing business with ICE. So tonight at 7 p.m., CCC, CCCC, four C's, four C's, Bay Area, 
uh, follow them on Twitter at close the camps BA call to action tonight, 7 PM. The Palo Alto BW ball has not dropped Palantir tech as a sponsor for their event. We cannot allow them to normalize Palantir and its cruelty. Palantir money is blood money. We need folks to flyer to attendees and let them know Palantir's crimes. I am retweeting this. Excuse me. I am retweeting this flyer on Twitter. Again, you can follow Close the Camps BA or me at R-O-M-A-N-R-I-M-E-R. In Ecuador today, second day of a national strike against the president. This was shared by Joshua Potash, and that's J-O-S-H-U-A-P-O-T-A-S-H. I will also share that. So around the world, protests are happening. There are some more in other places as well that I wanted to get to. Oh. I'm also reading on Mother Jones. The EPA just issued a notice of environmental violation in San Francisco after 45 claimed the city's large... Ugh, fuckers. This is about uh, water pollution, even though I would suggest that it's uh, Chevron and perhaps the big companies here that are polluting the water more than... uh, And all the fucking automobiles because they decided not to invest in public transit. Anyway. Uh, There's an article on motherjones.com if you'd like to read more about that. And... I am scrolling down to see if there's something else I can share that will end on a positive note because there are a lot there are a lot of scary things happening and a lot of frightening things that are happening and also a lot of folks taking action and I perhaps did not get to some of those stories this week and I apologize I also just want to encourage folks to donate to Chesa Bodine's campaign for district attorney to ensure that there is an election since the mayor has just decided to replace Gascon with Susie Loftus, who is running against Chesa. Oh, goodness. And, well, that might just be it. A lot of more things going on, but uh, it's 1.43. I feel like I have spoken quite a bit. I have used my voice, and, well, I am seeing from Alternet that the Democrats have roped Mike Pence into the impeachment inquiry of Trump. I hope they all fucking go. So, yes, we'll take what we can get for there. Um Big thanks to Kevin Seaman for being on the show. Again, you can check out Kevin's show, hashtag FemMasculine, at the Brava Cabaret Theater. For more info, go to brava.org. And that's, again, um, October 4th and 5th, the 10th through the 12th at 8 p.m. I think that's going to be it for me. Stay tuned to Mutiny Radio. Oh, I should plug the station. Hello. There's shows here every day of the week. Please listen in. Please donate to the station. We stay open based on dues. So please, please, please donate if you can. If you'd like to support the show in particular, you can do so if you go to patreon.com forward slash weekly rev. Thanks so much. And yep, yeah, that's about it. I'm going to play some more music. 
<laughs> for you all. Thanks again so much for listening. Have a good week. And we'll be back next week. And taking a moment to choose the song, sometimes eh, it takes me a while. So I'm going to see what I'm in the mood for. And in the meantime, I am going to speak. Super professional here. And what are we going to decide on? All right. Here we go. Have a great week, everybody.
I'm sure it would be adorable indeed. Now, I know what you're thinking, but can tentacle porn exists? Tentacle porn exists. Yes. <laughs> but they don't watch it. We do. <laughs> not the octopi, not the cephalopods. <laughs> Listen, we're the only species out there that needs a safe word. That's all I'm saying. Now, I did this bit about two weeks ago, and another comic came up to me and was like, yeah, Ken, I don't know if I agree with that joke, because you've got to think about the bonobos. <laughs> Fuck the bonobos. <laughs> Ooh, they have incest, they have an occasional orgy. Those fucking amateurs. Until I hear, oh, I forgot what this joke was going to go with it, anyway. <laughs> until. <laughs> Until I hear about a bonobo getting off from having its balls stomped on, <laughs> or even a simple, a simple bonobo airtight, don't talk to me about the fucking bonobos. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Ken Suzuki rocking it out here for you guys. Animal sex makes me want to watch some Animal Planet tonight. Get excited. Yeah. Uh, your next comedian. Uh, is a wonderful human being. He's part of the Desi comedy, everything he runs, uh, uh, the setup every Saturday at 2 to 2 Hyde. Uh, he's hilarious in his own right, and he knows how to read directions and follow them, which makes me so happy. Put your hands together for Richard Savate! Yes. You heard it here. I am funny in my own right, okay? <laughs> I don't know what right you guys operate on, but you know, let's hope it's the same one. I did, I did all the tasks to be here today. <laughs> I did. And I have earned the right to perform four minutes of garbage. <laughs> I, this morning I woke up, I turned on notifications for the Mutiny Radio Facebook page. <laughs> I even put a different noise for that than the regular stuff on my phone. Most notifications on my phone are like <laughs> This one was <laughs> anyway, yeah, 11, I don't know, 53, something was posted there. I did the tasks. Stephen Massey beat me somehow. <laughs> Is he already gone? I don't know how he did it. Um, okay, time for the garbage. So, anytime, like, there's a bunch of warrior stuff happening right now. <laughs> anytime this, like, sports season starts, I just know, like, okay, here's, like, I don't even know, two months of me not connecting with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like hibernation for friendship. <laughs> it's just like, I hope I made enough friends during the off season that <laughs> I can get through. And I, I mean, I could have so many friends if I knew about sports. <laughs> it's just like, and I think it, I'll, if I could just fix the issue of like mixing up names of sports teams and the sports that they play, <laughs> I think I'd be like way, you know, I'd have a big advantage. Like, I don't know, like Warriors are playing, who are they playing? The, the Earthquakes? <laughs> Chicago Earthquakes? <laughs> I don't. I don't know what most teams are just named after na natural phenomenon, right? Just like, who are the Houston Flash Floods? Or <laughs> is that a team? <laughs> so, so I was like, where are they playing? Oracle Arena? Is, is that where the the Ringling Brothers play when they come through? <laughs> um, I don't like. I don't even think I could be good 
at talking to people about sports, even if I did a bunch of research. Like, I don't know, someone would hit a home run and I'd just be like, oh, you know what, Jackie Robinson did a bunch for civil rights. Just, I don't know. <sighs> All right. What else is going on? Uh, Passover was recently. Jewish. <coughs> yeah. is, it, is it done? Saturday. It's finished on Saturday. Oh, so it's still going. We have no idea. Okay. Yeah, I, I like the story of Passover, right? Like uh, you put sheep blood on your door so God knows not to give you the pestilence, right? <laughs> That's good. I, th I use the same tactic on Muni. <laughs> you know, like I just cover myself in sheep's blood and then, you know, the inspector knows not to ask me for my ticket. <laughs> this guy probably has, you know, some other business. Um, I, I was uh, in the bathroom at work and uh, underneath the stall I saw my coworker's badge. And it was just weird, like, because in his badge he's, like, smiling. <laughs> But then the sounds he's making, it doesn't really sound <laughs> <laughs> like he's smiling. I was just looking at a badge that's like, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> um, on the sidewalk over uh, in 16th and Mission, I saw on the uh, ground it said, uh, "Die, you yuppie scum." <laughs> I was like, I was like, wait, but a yuppie, I mean, that's just a young urban professional. I mean, like, we want to be young, right? We want to be urban. We like being professional, right? I don't know. It's just like, <laughs> do we just hate all three good things for a person? <laughs> just like, what about, like, I don't know, toned, intelligent doctors? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, titties. <laughs> titties are destroying San Francisco. <laughs> 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 All right, one more. Uh, let's see. Uh, I was uh, talking to my friend uh, yesterday about, like, what kind of drunk are you? And he's like, oh, you know, I'm, like, a happy drunk. You know, I'm not, like, introspective. I was just wondering, do, uh, is that, like, for other drugs, too? Like, do crackheads talk about the same thing? Like, like what kind of crackhead are you? Oh, I'm, like, an introspective crackhead, you know? Like, <laughs> I miss my father. <laughs> 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 All right, thanks, guys. Yeah! Taking his backpack on stage. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. All right, I just want to check to see if Christopher Jarmillo is here. There he is. All right, you want to go up next or you want to wait a couple people? Oh, you'll go. All right, you guys, your next comedian. Funny guy, laugh and clap your hands hysterically for Christopher Jarmillo. Yeah! Sorry, I was, I was late. I, uh... I usually do stand-up somewhere else, and I went, I, I was going, I navigated there, so, and that was obviously not here, <laughs> so I, um, so yeah, I, 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 I wound up being late. I liked your act, Florentine. I like that you played to this side of the, you, I, you like, were like, oh, fuck these people. Um, anyway, hey, guys, yeah, you're, <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry, it's okay. You don't have to, to so. <laughs> That's, that's weird. That's, that's odd. You should not. It doesn't have eyes. I guess it has, a, it has you. Was she looking at you a lot? I felt like she was looking at me. Oh, she was looking at the piano, man. Are you, yeah, are you, are you disappointed? I, I still go with the illusion that she was can you, Hey, on the radio, can you even hear? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh okay, good, okay. I, I just feel like there's, I'm just talking, and then all of a sudden there's just silence. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm just like, oh, yeah, da-da-da. Just, we're just hanging out here. I don't know. 
I, I thought it was funny when you, yeah, the, the, first, the first day you were explaining like how the mic was on and off, and you're like, this is on, this is off. So all, but I imagine in the, like on the, in the radio, all you heard was, this is on, this is on. Oh, but this one goes too, okay, oh. Oh, okay, oh, there's a lot of them, oh, awesome. Okay, awesome, awesome. What? I just said we're hot here, all the mics are hot. That's a mic joke. That's it, okay, all right. <laughs> Good, good, good. I let you. I let you guys talk amongst yourselves. I, why do I need to figure out a set? Jeez. Uh, anyway, what, what what have I been? Oh gosh, what have I been doing? I I did I did I did. Lately, you know, I don't know what it is. Like I'm. I think I'm a very emotionally oppressed person. But I think it's kind of funny. Like what, what like these things have been happening. Like where I've kind of like, like I'm all like something emotional happens and I'm about to cry. But I like. And I, I just find I have a weird like reaction to it. Like I, something happens, and I'm just like, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, and then I'm like, oh jeez, oh almost had a human emotion there. Ah, I, uh, I held that back. Oh god. <laughs> All right. And I, I, don't, I don't know. I just think it's like, like I don't know. Like my, like I feel like there's something inside me that's like a, like a, like a freaking center in the NBA, and it's just like human emotion. Get that shit out of there, unless it's, unless it's anger or disgust. I do not want it in my. You don't bring that shit in my house, freaking no, 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 no. Ah, okay, that was a little depressing. I'm sorry. I brought the, brought the mood down. I feel like I feel like everyone's like, oh, he's like, he cried and he can't do it. Um, <laughs> I like the nervous laughter, Deans. Thank you. <laughs> it was more. It was more pity, Chris. It was more. I was like. Okay. Again, you guys are killing worse and better than I am. I've yeah, great. Jeez, you, we should just like record you guys, just like uh, talking amongst yourselves. Yeah. What? Oh, thank you, thank you, Florentina. Thank you. Um, you know, I've been having a hard time like actually writing comedy. Like, uh, something something screwed me up. Like, I think you know, you kind of ha- think of concepts and you think of weird things, and then like I don't know if this has happened to any of you, but like okay, recent like la- my, la- the, uh, my last act. I talked about like uh, people marrying things, and then like I think I thought, oh, well, they marry things. They must be wanting to fuck them. I l- actually look like there's this woman that she's actually you might know her. She's from San Francisco. I guess she married the Eiffel Tower, and my first thought was like, oh, she married the Eiffel Tower. She must want to fuck it. And I actually there's a documentary, and I thought, oh, this is silly. Yeah, she wanted to fuck it. But then I watched a documentary, and the first thing she says is like, yeah, I'm, I'm in love with the Eiffel Tower. The big sadness in my life is I can't fuck it. She like, but I, I was like, oh, you just, okay, I guess I'm like, I'm not as weird. I can't think of something weirder than what actually happened in reality. <laughs> um, <that's laughs> But, like she went through, I guess she like was like in love with like a like a bow and arrow and stuff, and I don't know. It was just I guess she like there's people who have a fixate. I don't have a I don't have a punchline for people who are fixated on objects. Um, but anyway, hmm. Do I have anything else to say? Uh, but hey, oh here, I somebody a nice friend gave me a joke. Okay, hey, w- did you hear about the? <laughs> so, uh, uh, oh, what, what did the, uh, why did the uh, woman marry the uh, Berlin Wall? Because she had, oh, I, because uh, she wanted to marry somebody that wasn't afraid to go down on her. Or go come down. I messed that up. I'm sorry. Yeah. Christopher Jamil. Yay. 
was a rare uh, picture of me that I have not put up for Throwback Thursday uh, when I was 26 years old, and I'm sleeping with a karaoke microphone on a sofa like this. I'm like sleeping with it because I didn't I didn't want anyone else to sing it. They'd have to rip it out of my cold dead hands. So I might marry a microphone someday. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I have a great picture of me like snug snuggling it in my sleep. Like oh, I love you so much. Your next comedian also loves a microphone. She's a very funny lady. I'm excited every time she's here. She gets funnier every time I see her. Clap your hands together for Jenny Hogan. Um, so I, I'm from New York originally. I went to a small uh, all-girls Catholic school. And my parents told me that they wanted me to like go to an all-girls school so that I would have goals outside of just like chasing boys, uh, which worked because I spent like most of my childhood with like the sole goal of trying to touch a pigeon. <laughs> because the pigeons in New York are like way different from the pigeons in San Francisco. Honestly, like that's probably the biggest difference between New York and San Francisco is the pigeons. Like in San Francisco, they fly really low and you feel like they're gonna hit you. You guys familiar with this? Maybe you're just used to it. Cause like, yeah, right? But in New York, like the pigeons, like you can't even get near them. Like it's it's really, it's uh, quite difficult to touch them. They like run away as soon as you come after them. Um, and uh, this has really uh, prepared me well for like dating basically. Cause that's also kind of the difference between New York and San Francisco. Um, there are like a lot, there's like a much higher uh, female to male ratio in New York, people say. Um, and I kind of always suspected that like boys took their cues from pigeons, so seemed accurate. Uh, I've been told that it would be better if I did some like act outs on stage. Um, so I'm gonna do a pigeon in New York <laughs> versus a pigeon <laughs> in San Francisco. Okay, like let's, I'm, um, <laughs> 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 I can't do it. Yeah, they're just like really like low, only like this. Like <laughs> 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 okay, I'm moving on. I have more jokes. Um, so I uh, I work at a tech company, and we are trying to recruit more women. We have very few women right now. We have a difficult time when women come in for the interviews because uh, no one ever wants to like say anything bad about them, basically, because they're afraid that they'll look sexist. So ah. we had this woman come in the other day for like an engineering position, and the issue with her was that she didn't speak English really, ah. which <laughs> I I didn't mind honestly because I have a lot of coworkers who I think it would be a lot better if they made less use of their English language skills. <laughs> like, um, the difference between, I work with a lot of people who are not native English speakers, and the thing I notice is that non-native English speakers think before they say things, um, which I think like kind of some of my other coworkers should do. But anyway, so we're like assessing this woman, basically. We're doing a recap. I'll, I'll act out the recap. We were sitting down. <laughs> uh, we're sitting down, and... Uh, my boss eventually, everyone's kind of going around, like no one's saying anything, and eventually my boss is like, uh, you know, I think she might just be like a better fit, like for a different role at a different company in China. <laughs> and, uh, um, but we, we're not really like successful at recruiting women because we're not doing the right things. Like for one thing, we don't hire them when they come in for the interviews. But we also, we have a lot of perks that are like very much just like geared towards men. Like we have like free beer, but like we don't even have plan B in the medicine cabinet, you know? Um, I learned this morning. <laughs> and, and we just can't compete against 
these other tech companies with like better support for women looking to terminate their pregnancies, you know? Because like at Google, they cover the cost of an abortion, and at Facebook, they do the abortion on site. Like this is real. Uh, there's a guy, his name is Frank the Aborting Man, and <laughs> he has an office, it's right next to Sheryl Sandberg's. So you can go get your free lunch, you can get your free abortion, and you can get back to fucking work, you know? Uh, it's called leaning into a hangar. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny set. Your next comedian, uh, he is a special individual because he is very supportive of the scene, meaning that he was here all Monday waiting through everybody's sets, and then we didn't have time for him. So I was like, you have a special set. So you guys have to be really special right now and clap even bigger than you've clapped before. For Johnny Isaacs. <laughs> Um, uh, excuse the notes, everyone. This is a new, new material for Monday, which I didn't get to do. So um, <coughs> this is Tim. Tim is my husband. He has never seen me do stand-up before. Uh, and in honor of that, I'm going to do jokes about him. <laughs> Won't that be fun for everyone? Except Tim. Um, so our anniversary is coming up very soon. Three years. Green card very much. Green card very much. Uh, no, we didn't really get married for a green card, but it was a handy help. Uh, it definitely helped us do things like live on the same continent. Really useful things for a relationship. Yeah. Um, I'm, honestly, I never thought I'd get married. I was, uh, I was this sort of weird combination of a romantic and a skeptic. Like, I was a big Disney fan as a kid, so I always thought, you know, I want that really big love at first sight moment, and I'll spend the rest of my life with that person. But I also knew that would never happen. Like, not in, uh, no fucking chance in hell. And then I met Tim, and I was like, wow, he's really tall. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I mean, there are some really great perks to being married. Like, number one, you have a ready-made excuse to not hang out with anybody that you don't like. It's like, Tim's really busy right now. He's got a lot going on, uh, and he doesn't like you. Um, <laughs> But the, the, one of the best things is uh, you can always, no matter what, use a carpool lane. It's great. It's really <laughs> handy. Um, <laughs> uh, and the other thing that is very handy about Tim specifically is, having a very bad back, he has a disabled placard. So the parking situation is fantastic. Because <laughs> this city is fucked up for that, so it's really helpful. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, we have, a, we have a big age gap. There's a 22 year age gap between us. Tim is eight but he has that Benjamin Button thing. <laughs> so, it's really good because nobody knows I'm a pedophile. <laughs> nobody has a clue. Uh, speaking of which, I don't know if any of you saw this, there was a really interesting article this week uh, that said that scientists think they found the leading cause of pedophilia. And it's really obvious, no one would have thought about it before. <laughs> I can't believe we didn't know. It's, uh, it's, it's sexy kids, yeah. <laughs> really sexy kids. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, actually, one of Tim's favorite jokes is when people ask us, uh, as they often do, where we met, he likes to tell them that we met in an Amber Alert. <laughs> uh, which isn't a thing in the UK. So after he told this joke to like 15 people, I had to go look it up. And I was like, oh, he's a keeper. 
we actually did meet online. We met on a website called biggercity.com, which is like OkCupid for big, fat, hairy gay guys. And, uh, and they're admirers, um, which is very true. Like, for instance, when I was a kid, my um, celebrity crushes were John Candy and Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> but w b because we have such a big age gap, a lot of people uh, just automatically assume that I have like daddy issues, which is kind of fun. But actually, I have a really good relationship with my dad. Like he's really supportive, and he's—I came out really young, and he's always been great, and he gets on really well with Tim. But he's also bipolar, so that could change any day now. <laughs> so you know, it keeps you on your toes. You just never know what's going to happen. Um, uh, but actually. In actual fact, I don't have daddy issues, uh, but there are some really great things about uh, being with an older guy who he's lived al he lived alone for a long time, he's really self-sufficient, he's a great cook, he's great at cleaning, uh, and so it's like I get to have sex with a six foot seven, 250 pound version of my mum. <laughs> <laughs> but no daddy issues, none at all. Uh, but actually, we're a, we're a very progressive 21st century San Francisco gay couple, so we're, uh, we're looking for a third. You know, there's a lot, of, a lot of couples do this in San Francisco. We are, by the way. Um, <laughs> no, uh, some people call it a thruple, sometimes they call it a triad, but not the like, not the like Chinese mafia triad, like a, like a three-way triad. Uh, but the main reason is because we moved over to the East Bay recently and the bridge carpool lane is three people. Thank you very much. Keep clapping for Johnny Isaacs, yes! He got married for the carpool lane and he's a threesome to get over from Oakland. Fan-fucking-tastic. All right, we're moving the happy hour right along. Moving on to your next comedian. You guys put your hands together. It's Christopher Guerrero! Hey, everybody, how you doing? Ooh, love that response. Uh, yeah, so... I live in Richmond in the East Bay, not on purpose. <laughs> yeah. One thing about living in Richmond, I hear sirens almost every night, which makes it hard for me to sleep. But now it's getting to the point where it's hard for me to sleep without hearing sirens. <laughs> you might say that sirens are like whale calls to me. <laughs> but now that's becoming a problem because one time I was driving and when I heard a police siren, I fell asleep at the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> now you know why I'm paying a lot for car insurance. <laughs> yeah, another thing about living in Richmond, I hear gunshots at night. Like there was this one time I was about to leave my apartment to go to the store. And when I get to the door, I hear this. So I turned around and I said, never mind. <laughs> I'll just stay home and have Pop-Tarts for dinner. <laughs> yeah. So my girlfriend is a blue-eyed, blonde, Caucasian, which means I've achieved the American dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not picky when it comes to a woman's race. I've been with black women, white women, Latinas, Asians. You might say that my penis recognizes affirmative action. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, when I see a beautiful woman, I do not see skin color because I'm too busy looking at her tits and ass. 
<laughs> yeah. I noticed that white women are very curious when it comes to hooking up with someone outside of their race. Like, a white woman would go out with a black man to see if it's true that all black men have big dicks. And a white woman would go out with a Latino to see if it's true that all Latin men are horny as fuck. And a white woman would go out with an Asian guy to see if it's true that they are good at math. <laughs> and if that <laughs> And if that's true, then she has found someone to do her taxes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I read online about this pastor in Texas who has threatened to set himself on fire as a way of protesting the legalization of gay marriage. Thank you. Exactly, exactly. That's way better than my punchline. <laughs> okay. Great, moving on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a big animation fan. I love watching cartoons, but there are certain cartoons that left me with unanswered questions, like how is it possible that Speed Racer's car can jump over cliffs, go underwater, but it can't keep that kid and his monkey from getting in the trunk? <laughs> it's weird, that car is bulletproof and fireproof, and yet it isn't childproof <laughs> or monkey-proof. Very bad designing there, Pops Racer. <laughs> and why is it whenever Scooby-Doo and the gang split up to look for ghosts, and when Fred and Daphne are all by themselves, Fred never makes a move on Daphne. Kinda makes you wonder why he wears that ascot in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> and how come we don't know who Casper the ghost was before he became a ghost? Apparently, Casper was a young child, but we don't know how he died. <laughs> I mean, for all, for all we know, he could have died of a crib death. <laughs> or a late-term abortion. Maybe he was babysat by Casey Anthony. We don't know. And on that happy note, my name is Chris Guerra. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Back to you, Pam. references because I was born in 74, so I know what Scooby-Doo is, which makes me really happy. Before they started those stupid remakes with those dumb movies. And the same thing with the Casper movie. I mean, it was really good. It did have Christina Ricci in it, looking hot as like a 12-year-old, as she should. <laughs> Before she had her boobs, still hot. Doesn't make me a pedophile or a lesbian. I'm just saying aesthetics are real, everybody. Your next comedian is also very aesthetically pleasing. And you guys are going to love his jokes. Everybody put your hands together. It's Adam Strawbridge. Hey, guys. Uh, last night, I went to an anarchist book fair. To which credit, it was terribly organized. Uh, <laughs> uh, mm. 
They gave it out an itinerary. Number one said, like, introductory remarks in minutes, and then two through ten were fuck the state. Uh, <laughs> didn't really learn a lot. Good spread, though. Great spread. I made a mistake last week, and I tried to, like, reconnect with my dad, because I feel like I'm older, I'm kind of an adult, so I can relate to him as a peer. So I asked him, like, how was I as a kid, as a toddler, was I, like, a manageable, was I a good kid? He said, no, you're actually, you were a huge brat. Uh, he told me that the custody battle over me was, like, a really expensive game of hot potato. <laughs> <laughs> How rude. Uh, <laughs> my dad's mean. He's a dick. We were walking down Market Street. We passed this woman with a cardboard sign. She was down on her luck and said, I'm hungry. My dad like knelt next to her and said, hi, hungry. I'm Steven. <laughs> That's why we don't talk. Comics love to kvitch about dating apps like Tinder and all that shit, but you don't hear a lot of talk about the gay dating apps because they're kind of like a different scene. Uh, they're very assertive. It's hard to tell if sometimes that you're on a gay hookup site or just like a really, really aggressive pet adoption website, you know? <laughs> just get messages like, looking for a cute pup to tame and dominate, um, <laughs> or like, want a furry critter to keep me company, <laughs> or I got one that was like, cutie looking.